Welcome to the Gold Standard here on the 440 Sports Network. My name is Braden Gall, and you can follow me on Twitter at Braden Gall. And I'm Adam Vingan at Adam Vingan. Of The Athletic, of course. Pay for good journalism. Go to theathletic.com and give them a couple of bucks. You're going to get your money's worth. There is no question about that. What went wrong for the Nashville Predators against Montreal? What, what, what did they fix, and how did they get it right against Anaheim? A thoroughly entertaining hockey game on Monday evening. Uh, secondary scoring is going to be a big topic on the show today. Philip Forsberg working his way back, could be back soon. Um, why is Ryan Johansson so successful this season? We've talked a lot about Matt Duchesne, but we have not had a lot of time to dive into Ryan Johansson. Is Bridgestone Arena turning back into some home ice advantage? Um, the power play, of course, is still surging, and we will have four games to discuss before we get to next week's pods. So we've got a lot of what are we looking forward to seeing over the course of the next week? So all of that coming up on the show today. Uh, of course, our wonderful sponsor, Gold Standard, brought to you by Adam Bingen of The Athletic. Speaking of The Athletic, before we get to our wonderful sponsor, you oh, mentioned okay. buying, or excuse me, supporting good journalism. We are currently running our deal of the year in honor of Black Friday. $1 a month for 12 months. That. Uh, promotion is currently live and it will be live until Monday, the 29th. So if you're looking to buy a, the sports fan in your life, a excellent gift for, for $12 that does, not, that does not cost much. Um, <laughs> if you have a spending limit or if there's someone that you like, but don't love, but they like sports, you know, there you could go where you could do worse than, than giving them a year to if, the athletic. If, if I unsubscribe, if I unsubscribe and resubscribe, can I get the good price? Can I do that? You know, I get that question a lot. I don't know the answer to that. I would advise against it, um, but, but also, I get that a lot. Also, uh, I told people to pay for good journalism at The Athletic, and then you bogarted our ad for Jaspers to do Jaspers. an ad for your own company. What is Jaspers. that about? We're sponsored by Jaspers. Which would not ever bogart your ad. That's how nice Jaspers is. By the way, you're looking for another Christmas gift. You can buy a $100 gift card from Jaspers for $80, 20% off, and you get a $20 gift card for yourself. So basically, you spend $80, you kind of get like $120, you get a gift for somebody else, and you get a nice dinner or meal or lunch at Jaspers where you're not going to have to pay for parking. You can drink a gold standard cocktail. We had a couple people tweet us, some listeners tweeting us during the Preds game over the weekend, drinking some gold standard cocktails at Jaspers. So uh, we do appreciate that. If you're going and you go check it out, make sure you tag us. Uh, at 440 Sports, at Adam Bing and at Braden Gall, at Jasper's Nash, if you want to. Uh, I always make sure that one <laughs> gets in there. Um, also, make sure you're checking out all the other great podcasts across the 440 Sports Network. Uh, football and other F-words covering your Tennessee Titans out every single Tuesday. Club and Country will, of course, have a recap of the big playoff match for Nashville SC uh, on Tuesday evening. You got Fringe Element, the SEC football podcast with myself, Aaron Dugan, and uh, Stephen Godfrey, who have created beef with you, of course, around all these wonderful Jaspers ads. Uh, Lamestream Sports out every single Friday and the 440 out every single day. Music City Audible from Broadway Sports Media as well. So tons of great podcasts. Share all of the shows. Okay. You want to talk some hockey? We will. Okay. But a couple of things. One, speaking right. of football and other F-words, there were plenty of F-words that, that were being uh, thrown in the direction of the local professional football team uh, uh, yes. last week after I, their... And and I think there's a chance that that's what uh, they they do on that show, <laughs> considering the uh, performance of and and knowing Zach the way I do, uh, and the uh, the performance against the Houston Texans. Yeah, yeah, uh, you, you're probably not going to hear um, nice words 
on that show this week. <laughs> also, do you think that that myself and Aaron and Steven should have a Jasper summit where we squash the beef? Yeah, I think it's called a smash burger, actually, which you can get for $10 during Pred's home and road games. Oh, it literally very, is a smash burger. <laughs> very, very creative. Yes. But I think, I think the only <laughs> way to resolve this beef is over some delicious beef that you can only get at Jasper's. Well done, Adam. Now well we can done. talk about hockey. Well done. All right. What went wrong against Montreal? It was 5 nothing. I know Matt, I know, I know Dutchie had a hat trick um, and they scored a couple of power play goals, but those stats don't mean a whole lot to me if you do it after falling behind five, nothing after two periods, what, what went wrong in that game aside from all of it? <laughs> well, I think you nailed it. Um, <laughs> it, it, it wasn't a, a pretty game by any stretch of the imagination. Um, when you look at some of the stats, uh, the fancy stats from that game. So I'm looking at the, the sport logic report after the second period, the score was five, nothing Montreal. The Predators had a 26 to 23 advantage in shots, um, a 12 to 8 advantage in slot shots on net. Um, a They were, uh, in terms of offensive zone possession, it was 4 minutes, 18 seconds for Montreal and 3 minutes and 45 seconds for Nashville. So it wasn't like they were being bludgeoned, you know, in terms of the fancy stats. But you see Soros for the first time had a stinker. Um, when you yeah. look at the expected goal numbers from that game, uh, the, the, the Hab scored six goals. Uh, the expected number was 2.98. So they, the Predators as a team saved minus 3.02 goals below expected. Yeah, not, uh, not, so not good. It, it was not a good game, and, and, and Saros was pulled. David Riddick came in in relief. Um, you know, those games happen. I mean, it's been, it's, it's hard to remember the last time that UC Soros had a rough game. Um, you know, that isn't to put it all on him, of course, because certainly someone will listen and say, it wasn't just UC Soros who, <laughs> you know, whatever, but it was, it was I his, first, it was, it was his first stinker in a long time. And it happened. And you know what? He rebounded with a strong game against Anaheim, which we'll get to, but at the end of the day, uh, you have, you know, you have your top score you know, put together a natural hat trick in the third period. Should make yeah, it a yeah. game. It made it a five, three game. I know. I know. So that's just kind of the way it went. So recording this on Tuesday morning and his expected goals when we did this podcast last week, or excuse me, his goals saved above average last week on the show was just over six which he'd sort of been working his way up with just some exceptional play. That is now down to 3.35. He was top eight in the league. He's now down to 15th. So you can see what that, what that game on, on Saturday did to his statistical production. Okay, so then what, what did they fix? Aside from just coming home to Nashville, we know that John Hines was, was putting an emphasis on getting more pucks on the net um, in terms of shot attempts and shots and all that stuff. They seem to, to, to sort of dominate Anaheim on the shot Stand, from the shot standpoint, it was a really fun, entertaining game. Anaheim coming off an eight-game winning streak. They lose right before to Carolina. Um, but it was a pretty balanced game. And I thought, most importantly, Adam, it didn't ever look like the Preds were like in over their heads. It looked like they were a pretty even team with Anaheim, who's right now pretty good. Um, what, what did they fix? Um, what, what did they do right in the Anaheim game that, that 
they didn't do well in Montreal, aside from UC Saros just being better? I, I think they did a, a, an excellent job of maintaining offensive zone possession time, and, and the numbers bear that out. Um, they did have multiple power play opportunities, which factors into that possession time. Um, but they seemed much more in control of the game, um, even at the times when Anaheim you know, tied the score. You know, and we've talked about the identity of the team and the strides that they've made in that area over the course of the past year, year and a half or so. And you think about the goal that the Ducks scored to tie the game, Jamie Drysdale, I think it pinballed off of two different Predators players. If you count UC, if you count UC, three players. Okay. So three (laughs) players. Which is, it was, it was pretty insane. There's no question about that. Right. It's, 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 that's why, that's why hockey players say, you know, you gotta get pucks to the net. Uh, You know, good things happen when you put pucks to the net. You know, like, hang on, hang on, hang on, hang on. So normally when you do the voice, which you've already done once on the show today, it's, it's sort of making fun of like the fan or the listener or the reader or the Twitter guy. That's like sort of spewing something that you disagree with normally. Is this voice now which is sort of making fun of hockey players themselves. Is that a different voice? Is it the same voice, but just adjusted for like athletic performance? Like what, what was that just that? I don't know what that was. <laughs> it's just kind of what happened, but that's why you hear players say that kind of cliche stuff, because when you look at how they scored the ducks, that is they scored their second goal. That's precisely why you hear throw pucks to the net and all that other crap. Um, but the point I'm making is, you know, a previous Predators team would have probably, you know, folded at that point. It would have it would have rattled them. It did not. They continued to play hard. They shook it off. Uh, Yakov Trenin made an excellent play to score the game-winning goal. We'll talk about secondary scoring after this. But, you know, in terms of the process, I, I thought they did a much better job of preventing the, the, the high-quality shots and chances. Um, I think they did a, a excellent job of maintaining offensive zone possession time. I thought the power play um, continued to be effective, not even when even when they weren't scoring. You know, they had plenty of opportunities. They were moving the puck really well. Um, so I, I feel like they, you know, of course they won, which is how you want them to respond to a game like the one in Montreal. But I think the process was there too. Like it wasn't just that they won and they stole a game. They won and they played a, a solid team game. Yeah. Um, and I think that is important when you when you have a stinker like you did over the weekend. You know, you want to you want to tighten up the things uh, that went wrong. And I think they did. Yeah, I, I think to your point about controlling the game, which sometimes is hard to define outside of just like offensive zone possession time. That there seemed a lot there seemed like a lot of opportunities where whether it was Matt Duchesne, Mikhail Granlund, you know, even Tomasino occasionally, there were guys like sort of circling in the offensive zone, creating opportunities for other people on in five-on-five five situations. And I think that's where you sort of just go, all right, number one, that's fun to watch. And number two, it means you're sort of in control of the pace and the tempo of the game. So I, I agree with that. And again, I just, you know, there's certainly some history with Anaheim, certainly with Ryan Johansson. We'll get to Ryan Johansson uh, in the past uh, w- with Anaheim. He gets off to a hot start, scores the goal first. Um, right there in the first period, they get a, a power play goal to take a, a two, two, one lead, then the crazy bounce. And then of course we get, we get Yakov Trenin on a, just a brilliant all work play. Um, we'll talk about secondary scoring, like you alluded to in just a second, as well as 
the return of Philip Forsberg, Ryan Johansson, and all that, all that other stuff. Um, that, that is their fourth straight win at home. They are only five and three at home overall because they lost three of their first four on that beginning homestand there when they started the season. Um, but but a lot of players after the game, Adam, were talking about the sort of getting some juice back from the crowd, getting some energy back from the Bridgestone. And we've talked about the sellout streak. We've talked about, you know, in general, I think home field, home ice, home court advantages had sort of began to dwindle. Then the pandemic hit and it took away fans. And now that fans are back in certain buildings, we saw it have an effect in the playoffs last year in the NHL. It clearly had an effect in football this year for a lot of teams. Do, do you think this is a return? It's not ever going to return to sort of like the true Smashville unless they're like winning at a really high clip president's trophy type stuff. But knowing what this franchise and fan base has gone through lately, are, are you, are you seeing signs that Bridgestone arena could become a home ice advantage again for this team? I, th- I think so. And I remember writing uh, during the 2019 20 season, whatever the season was that the pandemic happened. So 2019, 20, it was actually a loss to the ducks that I wrote the story about how the aura of Bridgestone arena was gone. You know, the team had not been anywhere near as successful at home. Um, the, you know, the atmosphere that we had come to know, I feel like had disappeared. And, and you know what? I honestly think this is going to sound really weird, but I think the fact that fans were not allowed in the building in the beginning of last season was a blessing in disguise um, because of how the team was playing at that time. You, know, oh, more oh, fa- you mean when they were like absolutely garbage until the turnaround? Yes. Yeah. Yes. Like there weren't a lot of fans allowed in the building at that time. It wasn't until they started turning around, turning it around when they, that, you know, the, the predators were allowing more people into the building. And then of course, during the playoffs, it was as close to normal as it's been um, as it had been in a while. But, you know, I, like, I can't imagine what those, what that crowd would have been like if there were allowed to be fans in the building at the beginning of last season. Um, I don't think it would have been very good. And we even saw it a little bit at the beginning of this season. Um, of course, the sellout streak ended. The atmosphere felt a bit stale, um, but the team is playing better. And yes, I know that they have um, eliminated the restrictions in terms of needing a negative COVID-19 test or, or proof of vaccination. And like it or not, I'm sure that has had an effect on the number of people that are comfortable coming into the building, good and bad. Um, but I think, all, you know, all of those factors together, I mean, I thought the game last night, I thought the crowd was great for a, for a Monday night during the week of Thanksgiving. I mean, it helps that it's the Ducks because I know it's not the same Ducks team from four or five years ago, but, you know, the hatred still remains. Um, you know, I think since I've been here in terms of, of rivals, I think the Ducks are certainly the most hated in my, in my time here. You know, you could argue the stars, you could argue the Blackhawks. Yeah. Um, but I, I think the Ducks hold a, a special place in the blackest part of Predators fans' hearts. Well, um, it's it's funny though, because like that one ended the right way. So I don't think it's the dark place of your heart. I think it's like the positive mojo. We, you know, we enjoy that rivalry so much because they did beat them it, to go to the Stanley Cup final. Like I I think 
you know, that's the same thing with the Blackhawks. The Blackhawks it built up over time, but the Blackhawks have three rings. So there's always going to be a negativity to the Blackhawks because of the three rings. Now, of course, there's negativity and disrespect because their entire organization is sort of bad, <laughs> but, but uh, or used to be bad, I guess I should say. Dallas knocked you out of the playoffs, got right. to a Stanley Cup final. Like and you know took Ryan Ellis off the ice for a season. Like there, there's there's some like negative feelings towards Anaheim, but in my opinion, it's it's such a fun rivalry because it ended with a successful victory. If that makes sense, like it's a positive. I, I does that make sense? Like I think the fans hate them, and I hate Anaheim and all that stuff. But there's sort of like a lightness to it that's not the same with the other organizations because yes, you beat Chicago in four, but they got three cups before that. And that, right. And, and the, and the, and the ducks have never defeated the predators in the playoffs. Right. right and, right. but you know, I was, you know, during warmups, you know, the team is a lot different than it used to be. First of all, it's amazing to me that Ricard Raquel is only 28 years old. I could have sworn <laughs> he was like 35. Um, and, um, you know, there are some <laughs> players that are still there from, you know, from that Western conference final, Ryan Getzloff, of course, Josh I mean, Manson. I mean, Gibson's been around forever. Don Gibson, Jakob, Sil- Jakob Silferberg, you know, Raquel, of course. Um, but like I was thinking about it, like in terms of like the most easily hateable teams that I can remember, that 2016-17 Ducks team and that just that yeah, era yeah, yeah. of Ducks hockey yeah. in general between Corey Perry, Ryan Getzloff, Kevin Bieksa, Ryan Kessler. Well, and Kessler, and Kessler had history when in that Vancouver series. Right. From a couple of years before that, when Preds fans absolutely despised Ryan Kessler in that series. So I agree with you that it was like just such an easily hateable team in general. But I don't know. Like, I think Patrick Kane is pretty easily hateable unless he's wearing a USA sweater. <laughs> no, I, I don't disagree like, with that at all. I just think in terms of the personalities that the Ducks had on those teams in those days. Yeah, like, no question. No question. They were very easy to hate. But, you know, back to the atmosphere, I think it's been good. Um, you know, I think. It's gotten better uh, over the course of the season, the early going of the season, like I said, for a variety of reasons, the play on the ice, the restrictions, et cetera. But sure. um, yeah, we'll, we'll, we'll see. I mean, I, I've, you know, they've been gone for so long. They played eight of nine on the road. Now they play six of seven at home. We talked last week that this, you know, when we were talking about the potential for regression, we were talking about how this is, or you were talking about specifically about how, you know, this is the time where, you know, you need to collect piling up points uh, because you're playing so many games at home and you're playing, te- you know, teams of various, you know, you know, various levels. I mean, the Ducks had been on a roll um, and the Predators beat them. The Knights come in, you know, they're banged up. The Devils are coming in later this week. They're hit and miss. So Columbus. You know, yeah, Columbus. So there are opportunities to, yeah. Um, yeah. you know, yeah. to pick up those points. But, you know, I've been I've been, you know, it's been good to see you know, the, the, the crowd get back to, um, normal levels. Um, so yeah, I mean, like I, I, they I need don't to win had... more at home, you know, they need to win more at home, like during their, during their, you know, stretch of, you know, going to the Stanley cup final, winning the president's trophy, like they could, they can never lose at home. Like their points percentage was, you know, I would right. have to imagine was probably like Seventy percent. Well, know, and I, to, to me, it's it's impossible for you and I to sit here and say, "Oh, home home ice advantage is back." Like we can we can have a discussion 
nuanced about the crowd and how it was in the past and some of the things that have affected it. And now how, what is it going to be moving forward and what's their home record going to be like, we can all just guess at this. What I would, what I would say is that this team's margin for error for making the playoffs is very small, right? They need Mm -hmm. their stars to be good, which they have been. They need their goaltender to be excellent, which he has been. They need things to go to, to, to go their way, break their way, be good, whatever, it, because the margin for error for this team is so small. And, and the power play is another one of those. They're going to have to be good on the power play. Well, they are right now. They, they just have to be good at home if they want to make the playoffs. That, that, that's sort of as, as simple as I can say it. Like if they want to make the playoffs with this roster and this, this team, with such a small margin of error, they just they have to collect points at home and be a good home team. And the crowd has to help them. They have to feed off of them. They did that against Anaheim on Monday. They have to continue doing that the entire season. I'm not saying they have to go, you know, like 30 and 0 the rest of the way, but like they have to, they have to collect points at home with the crowd as a factor if they want to make the playoffs. That's all. I, I, they they need all this stuff to break their way, and I think being good at home is one of those important things. That that's all I would say about that. I would like to point out that between the 14, 15, and 17, 18 season, so that's four years. 14, 15, 15, 16. Yeah, so four don't, seasons. Don't between, do the double year thing. Just say 15, 16, 17, 18. <laughs> okay. Between 2014 and 2018. There you go. That there was go. four seasons. The Predators had, I said, I said they probably had a points percentage of 70%. They had a points percentage of 69.8%. Nice. They had, they were 103, 38, and 23 in 164 home games between 2014 and 2018 the only teams with better um home you know i'm not going to include vegas in this because it was you know they only played one season right um but the the three teams ahead of them washington had a 723 win points percentage at home pittsburgh 713 anaheim 701 nashville 698 two of those teams Two of those teams won cups, right? And yes. the other two went ducks to- came. The Ducks came close. A couple yeah, and 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 the Predators came close too. Um, so uh, yeah, again, I'm not suggesting that it has to be seventy percent or or that it's going to be or that it won't be. I, I just think that things have to go this team's way for them to make the playoffs, and being good at home is going to be one of them. Getting their stars healthy and their stars continuing to play really good hockey is also going to be one of them. So when we come back, we'll talk Philip Forsberg, and we'll do a deep dive into Ryan Johansson's game as well as uh, talk power play and what are the next four games holding for this team. We'll do all of that when we come back right here on the Gold Standard. Gold Standard, Adam Vingan, is brought to you by... Jaspers. Um... There once was a man named Enos. <laughs> what? I was coming up with a limerick. All right. Well, c- c- carry on, sir. Go to Jasper's. There once was a man named Enos. Um, why? Why are you going with Enos? <laughs> never why? mind. Never, never dirty mind. limerick. Never mind. <laughs> I can't think of anything that's in a, that's not inappropriate. That dirty limerick. Oh, by the way, uh, just in the middle of this ad, right, while our sponsor is listening, go to Jasper's, by the way, free parking, great happy hour, great specials during Preds games, home and road. There's a gold standard cocktail named after this podcast, the Smash Burger, $3 beers, and a $10 burger during Preds games. It's fantastic. So right in the middle of promoting our ad, I do have to, I had a, we had a complaint on Twitter in a, in a DM. And I, and I would like to know what, what had a complaint. Yes. About, about our show and specifically about you. Me? And Yes. 
So uh, in our last ad on Fringe Element a couple of weeks ago, um, Aaron Dugan wore a shirt that said that had a picture of a rooster and a popsicle or a lollipop. And it said, don't be a rooster sucker, let's just say. Yes. And, and you know, I, I, when she said it, me and Stephen Godfrey were like, well, what? wait a second, Aaron, let's not go down that path. <laughs> let's not say that out loud because this is not a visual medium. This is a podcast. Um, and somebody, and, and I don't know what the voice sounds like in direct message form, mm-hmm. but somebody sent me a, 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 a DM saying, you know, that word that we used on that ad wasn't nearly as offensive as sloppy seconds. Mm. And you, which, of course, you've used many times. We've used it many times on the show talking about the Minnesota Wild. Yes. <laughs> and all of the other Predators players that have sort of ended up coming from Nashville and, la- and landing in Minnesota. Right. Which I guess is a it certainly is a juvenile term that we all used growing up in, in high school to describe, in my opinion, both men and women and college or whatever. And I think it's, you know, it, it's not exactly the most like respectable term, but it's also to me like wildly un it's not offensive at all and this person thought that that term sloppy seconds was way more offensive than um you know rooster sucker huh and i thought that's interesting so uh, if we have offended you all by using sloppy seconds to describe grown hockey players playing for the minnesota wild get bent I, I could not believe that that was so offensive. Is that no. offensive? I don't find that offensive I at mean, all. Like I mean, I've, I've been Sean Avery. Sean Avery was suspended for using the term sloppy seconds once. Do you remember that? Was he really? That's just so sensitive. Like I, I, I have literally been someone's sloppy seconds before. And, and <laughs> it December, doesn't offend me at all. All righty then. In December of <laughs> 2008, Sean Avery, who was a then was who at the time was playing for the stars, I believe. Go to Jasper. (laughs) Go to Jasper's. He was suspended um, for making a remark about Alicia, Alicia Cuthbert, who was on the show 24. Uh, Yeah. Yeah. yeah, No, I'm a huge fan. Yeah. Uh, Girl next door uh, is one of my favorite movies. (laughs) The girl next door. Yes. I I guess Avery, Avery used to date uh, Cuthbert, who is now married to Dion Phaneuf. Who just retired, by the way. Um, and I mean, if you're using it to shame someone, then. Uh, but again, this is like this is like being. I found a- the quote. I found the quote. Okay, okay. I'm really happy to be back in Calgary. I love Canada. I just want to comment on how it's become like a common thing in the NHL for guys to fall in love with my sloppy seconds. Wow. I mean, listen, he's sort of being disrespectful in in what he's saying there. Also, comical and cheeky, and and that was whatever. Sean Avery's. But that's his, right. That's his whole existence. I, I would say, um, and this is what I teach my my children. And I think this is, you know, you, you you're going to do this too. I don't really care about language. Like I don't really care. I know words matter, but I don't really care about language. To me, it's about the intent of your words. And if you're trying to shame someone, hurt someone, be cruel or evil to someone, then I think that's a really stupid thing to do, and you shouldn't do it. And I would say that, yeah, that you can be better than that. If we are talking about Ryan Hartman. <laughs> signing a contract with the Minnesota Wild, I don't, I don't really feel. I think it's a metaphor at that point, right? Like, <laughs> it's interesting. I mean, look, 
you know, I, I have to, I have to bite my tongue now a lot because I don't, not, my son is going to be three months old. He, he's never going to remember anything you say. I, I know. I know. And that's what I was telling my mom. She's like, you need to watch your language. Around no, you know, like he's Maybe. like three months old. He doesn't remember any of this shit. <laughs> you know, so, you know, when, once he picks up on it, I, I we, will, I will bite my tongue, but we, you know, we I, cuss, we cuss around our kids a little bit too much. Not never, never like F words or anything. My, my five-year-old did the other day for like the first time she did say she like, she like was coloring a picture and like colored outside of the lines by, she was like sitting over in the corner by herself. She colored outside the lines, go to Jasper's and, and she goes, oh shit. <laughs> Well, let me and me let and my me, wife looked at each other and we were like, first of all, that's a perfect use of a bad word. It's a, it's directed towards herself at a mistake that she made. So I was like proud of her for using it the appropriately. And then we kind of looked at her and we're like, uh, Marin, that's not we're not going to use that word. We, we don't we don't use those words in, in, in our house. OK, go to Jasper's where you can curse to your heart's content. Yes. Um, but I would like just to not at the just not at the bar, yes. the wonderful be, bartenders yes. and servers. Be polite to the wonderful servers and hosts at Jasper's and compliments to the chefs. But I will say this. My mom told me a story about how <laughs> my mom recently told me a story about how, you know, when I was little and she would be driving me and I was in the, you know, in the car seat in the back. My mom had a habit of when someone would cut her off in traffic, as people are wont to do, she would honk and say, asshole. And she would just say it, you know, under her breath, you know, to no one in particular. Apparently, I picked up on that. So <laughs> one time when she honked the horn, I, as a little boy, said "asshole," <laughs> which which explains a lot. Um, yes, it, yes, it does. So go to, go to Jasper's. Go to Jasper's, please. Uh, uh, they've got great happy hour, great specials, free parking, Smash Burger, um, which will not, which which will make you cuss in the all the right ways. If you eat that Smash Burger and drink three dollar beers, it'll make you cuss in all the best possible ways. So go to Jasper's, enjoy some food during Preds games. You can buy gift cards for Christmas, all kinds of great stuff over there at Jasper's. The grab and go market, great happy hour after work, great place to go for lunch. I take the wife all the time. It's, it's exceptional. Go to Jasper's, everybody. All right, we'll get into some secondary scoring conversations here uh, in just a second, Adam, as well as the, the big four games coming up before next week's pod. But the, the news, I guess it was from Kara Hammer, I believe, um, uh, during the broadcast about Philip Forsberg, that he's skating with the team and, and that he could be back as soon as Wednesday, possibly Friday for the home games, which is big news. He's missed nine games so far. The Predators are sort of winning games, air quotes here. They've had a really good stretch without him. Um, he obviously, you know, we're going to be focused on him and his contract and the trade deadline and all this stuff with him over the course of the next months, but, uh, getting him back is, is, you can't overstate it. I did think it was fascinating though. Willie's comment after the report. And I don't know if you find this as comical as I do, but Willie was like, yeah, man. And I'm paraphrasing here, but Willie was like, yeah, man, you know, it's really tough coming back from those types of injuries. And I was waiting for him to tell me what it was. And he goes, that, 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 that upper body injury. And I wanted to be like, what is it? What, what do you mean it's tough coming back from that kind of injury? Do you know something that we don't know? What injury are we talking about? Why, why is it so tough that the upper body is more difficult than the lower body? Unless you've got some specifics, I found that comment to be very funny. Right. And, and it's so hard they, to come back from that. You know what they say, upper body you know what they say about assuming, but I think it's pretty safe <laughs> to assume what kind of injury Philip is is dealing with um but he got, got his bell rung yeah it's 
it's always good when an important player starts making the 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 necessary steps to to return to the lineup but you know like you know the the, the whole contract thing is going to continue to hang over his head and the longer this goes without a resolution the less likely i think he is to resign um and you know that doesn't mean that they couldn't come to an agreement you know tomorrow remember you know we we you know we we thought how we felt about Matias Ekholm and when, when that, when, when he was going to sign, but that was before we learned that there was sort of a, an imposed self-imposed deadline on those negotiations. Um, well, isn't, so, there, isn't there sort of a self-imposed deadline naturally that's called the trade deadline in this one? Yes. It, yes, it is. And look, I, I spoke to David Poyle yesterday and that Q and a is available at the athletic.com, which you can get for $1 a month for 12 months right now. Nice. Um, and I asked him about if he's, you know, if he's comfortable, um, if he is comfortable um, extending these negotiations into the off season, even if it means um, losing Forsberg and free agency, and he, he wouldn't go there. But I, I mm. think it's something that you have to, you know, consider. So I, I think, you know, we, we talked about this last week, and we've talked about this with other players, that correlation does not equal causation that just because the Predators have done okay without Philip Forsberg doesn't mean that they'll continue to do okay without Philip Forsberg or with, or, you know, if, you know, without Philip Forsberg forever. Um, But, you know, the more I watch this team without him, you know, it certainly makes me feel like they can do okay without him. Um, Especially if you're going to restock. Right. Like draft so, picks and prospects. So, so our, our, uh, one of our prospect gurus, Corey Priman, who we've talked a lot about on this show, um, put out his NHL future rankings, uh, today. Um, and the predators were, I think 26th out of, out of, uh, so he, so it's the NHL future power rankings projecting the 24, 25 standings so he's looking that far in advance okay and he is these are the factors that he and others considered under 23 talent as of september 15th 2021 the current nhl roster age 23 or older as of september 15th 2021 those both were 25 percent ownership slash market another 25 percent coaching slash management 12.5 percent and salary cap 12.5 percent so there was, a, there was a panel of multiple people. Corey was the one who led it. And they, he ranked the 24-25 standings by, by those factors. The Predators came in with an with a average score of 4.79, um, 26th in the league. This is what was written. Quote, we don't think that things are bad in Nashville, but it's reasonable to look at the current organization and wonder what the path forward is to become competitive again. The Predators have some good players on the big club, but they're likely a bubble playoff team at best. And they have some good prospects, but it's not that great of a farm system. That combination, along with along with a lot of money tied into their current core, is tough to see becoming a consistent playoff team over the next few years. So those of us that, you know, watch this team, follow, you know, re- report on this team, like none of that surprises us. And Philip Forsberg, to me, is an excellent complimentary player. 
he is not a player that a team should hitch its wagon to as one of its star players. Um, Roman Yossi is that type of player. Um, Ryan Johansson, Matthew Shane, Philip Forsberg are not those kinds of players. And I think that's part of the reason why they're kind of stuck where they are. Look, Matthew Shane's got off to an excellent start. And we'll talk about Ryan Johansson in a minute. Um, We know that Philip Forsberg is important to this franchise. You know, he is the most successful forward they have ever developed um, from start to finish. But when you place him among the other players that you would think would be in his, you know, let me start that again. Well, no, if you put him in the $9 million price range with all the other Stamkoses and Ovechkins and Jonathan Taves and Patrick Kane and, you know, Connor McDavid and Austin Matthews, the guys that you are your star number one guy, he, he doesn't compare. No, he does not. He doesn't and stack up I to those think, guys. And I think if they're if they if 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 Forsberg is looking, he's going to be 28 when next season starts. So most players in his position are looking for security. So are are they willing to? Are is he willing to take less years? But in exchange for that, needs certain protections in his contract. You know, it, but it, it, my long, we, my we, point is we, we could we could spend every episode of this yeah. show discussing my, I, and debating I, I the Philip Forsberg have, drama. <laughs> I have said, you know, I said it on the show a few weeks ago, and I'll say it again. To me, I would trade him. I, I just I do agree. not believe that Philip Forsberg, as great as uh, as great as he has been for this organization, is worth what he might be looking for. I just don't. I just if. Look, the Matt Duchesne and Ryan Johansson contracts don't look all that bad right now, but for the most part, they, you know, they're considered two of the most onerous contracts in the NHL. And the last thing that you need is another one. Um, But, you know, we'll see what happens when Forsberg comes back. We'll see where he plays in the lineup. You know, do, you know, remember when Matt Duchesne came back from injury last year, John Hines put him on the line with Nick Cousins and Eric Holla. Like does Philip Forsberg, you know, go on the line with, Colton Sissons, you know, and work his way back up. Um, does he immediately re-enter the top six? Does he get all of his roles back? Um, we'll we'll see. It'll be interesting to see. I mean, it's good that he's feeling better. I, I would hope. I would hope for two reasons. One, it will help them win games if he's back to being a top six forward and playing on the top line. He's obviously the most talented forward they have. Uh, also, uh, it will add his. It will increase his trade value. So yeah. Those are the two reasons it'll help you win and it increases your trade value. That's, that's what you want from Philip Forsberg over the course of the next couple of months. So uh, let, right. let's Ryan Johansson. Yeah, let's, let's move on. We'll get to secondary scoring in a second and the four games, but Ryan Johansson, uh, an absolute snipe to, to start the game on Monday against Anaheim. He now has, I believe six goals. I think one shy yes. of his total from last season. Um, he is, he's got a high shooting percentage, which we talked about a couple of weeks ago is going to come back down, but I will say this, and I think this was an interesting comment by him in the in the in the post game about why he's finding success. And he specifically said, "My legs. As long as I'm working my legs and I'm constantly moving, I'm finding space. I'm creating opportunity. I'm moving the puck. I, I'm changing the way the defense has to attack our line." I, I thought that was number one. Like, just God, I wish you would have figured that out like three years ago, <laughs> but. but but it's what made him great in the playoffs, both every time he's been in the playoffs, but but in particular on the cup run. It's when he is physically active and moving with a, with sort of a specific um, 
I, I, what's the word I'm looking for? Like not, not motivation, but like with intention, he, he is moving with intent and, and being super active with his legs. He's right. That's what makes him an $8 million center is when he's doing that, shoot the puck and move your legs. That's what I want Ryan Johansson to do. And so far he's done an excellent job this season. Right. And I, and that was the first thing that John Hines said um, after the game, when, when he was asked about what he has seen from Ryan Johansson. And the first thing he said was he's skating. I mean, all players skate, obviously that's the point of ice <laughs> hockey, but he, but he, he's skating with a purpose. And I think, and we've talked about this before, you know, oftentimes I feel like people conf- I don't know if confl- I think conflate is the right word here. Um, they'll often complete Ryan's personality off the ice with his demeanor on the ice. You know, he's late, you know, laid back, you know, I've, I've referred hard, to him. It's, it's hard not to conflate the two. Right. I refer to him as the Jeff Spicoli of the Nashville Predators. <laughs> you know, the lovable stoner type. Where'd you get that jacket? You know, that, you know, if you haven't seen Fast Times at Ridgemont High, you're really missing <laughs> out. I agree. Um, I agree. But, um, you know, I, I do see some renewed purpose from him on the ice um, in terms of getting back, you know, in the defensive zone, um, creating opportunities in the offensive zone actually shooting the puck um i don't know what his shooting percentage is right now it's definitely not sustainable whatever it is um but you know one you know one fewer goal than he had all of last season so you know what's the one complaint we've heard about johansson for years he doesn't shoot the puck enough um i think he's doing that right now i'm looking to see what his shooting percentage is this season um if the if his stat page would load, he is shooting twenty three point one percent. That won't last. But he has twenty six shots, and it, and it was thirty five percent two weeks ago on the podcast. So it's already come. It's already come down. So he's his his career average is eleven point one, and he's shooting twenty three point one. But he has twenty six shots through eighteen games. He had sixty seven shots in forty eight games last year. So um, I'm not sure. I think he could still shoot the puck more often. He's got a great shot, you know, and when he uses it, I mean, remember his first game as a member of the Predators in Colorado, he had like a sharp angle snipe to open the scoring. And, um, you know, he, he can, he can score. I mean, we've talked about how he was a 30 goal scorer early in his career in Columbus, and that's not the kind of player he is anymore um, necessarily, but he still has it within him to do it. And I, I, I've been really impressed with, with Ryan Johansson. A lot of the conversations have been about Matthew Shane and Mikhail Granlund, Roman Yossi, UC Soros. But I, I certainly do believe that, uh, that Ryan Johansson deserves a lot of credit. I mean, I think you're seeing him play uh, with a lot more, um, a lot more, I was going to say panache, but I'm not sure that's the right word either. Um, you know, he's a lot more noticeable. Yeah, panache, flamboyant confidence yeah, of style or manner. Thanks, Miriam Webster. Yes, panache uh, his, is the his, correct word. His first um his first season at, at 23 years old in Nashville, he, he had 2.7 points per 60 minutes on, on ice. He's currently at 2.6. He had not he's never been as high at 2.7 since this year. So this is as good as his first season in Nashville. He, he's better on a points per 60 minute basis than he even was during the cup run year and the president's trophy year. So that just, it just tell like he's, if he, if he, if he maintains this pace, which again is not a point per game, but if he maintains this pace, he's going to score 20, 25 goals, have 30, 35 assists. And I think if he's skating with purpose and intent, this team's going to win games because he is that he can be that good when he wants to be. 
Um, and I, 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 I've seen everything I need to see out of Duchesne. Like Duchesne's confidence, his speed, quickness, agility, the hands, it's all there. All the stuff we wanted to see from him, it's been there. And it's the same kind of deal with, with Johansson. Yeah, I, I look, you know, Ryan, Ryan Johansson is a, is a polarizing figure. Um, but I, I think, you know, it's hard to complain about what you have seen um, from him uh, this season, just as it's been with all of the top players. Like, and we'll get to the second secondary scoring right now. Like, what are we supposed uh, to say about Mikhail Grandlin? Like, honestly, like, he's been, no, he's been, he's, he's been, been so fabulous. good. <laughs> he's been fabulous. I mean, look, look, for years, we've been talking, for the last couple of years, we've been talking about the contributions they, the Predators have been getting from the, you know, the depth guys and not getting enough from the top players. Now they're getting a lot from the top players, but they're not getting enough from, from the depth players, which is a perfect segue into our. Yes. Um, shooting percentages on the season. Number three on the team in shots shooting 2.2% with a goal. Ellie Tolvanen. Uh, <laughs> Matias Ekholm, by the way, 29 shots, zero goals. That's he's not a goal scorer though. Uh, Yakov Trenin, 27 shots, seventh on the team in shots. He did score a critical game winner against Anaheim and is now sort of starting to turn the corner at least. He's got now two goals in his last five games after going 0 for 13, uh, but he's still only shooting 7%. Um, Nick Cousins is shooting 4%. Luke Cunning is shooting 8%. <laughs> um, Tanner Janot is actually shooting 16%, which is almost unsustainable, but... He's had, I think, four points in his last six games. Luke Cunning has two goals. Colton Sisson has two goals. Philip Tomasino has three goals, but hasn't scored in seven games. Tolvanen has one. Trenin has two. I mean, Tanner Janot has five, so he's doing the job. But, you know, Tomasino had three, but he hasn't scored in seven games. These are the guys we're talking about, right? And and if you want to include Dante Fabro and Alex Carrier and some of the defensemen, I guess we can. But really what we're talking about is – you need Luke. You need Luke Cunning, Philip Tomasino, Yakov Trenin, Ellie Tolvanen. Th- those guys have to start putting the puck in the net. Well, we've seen, we saw it last night, Monday, rather, from Yakov Trenin. You know, great plays on two of the Predators' goals. So that that was good to see. You know, I'm looking at Tolvanen. I've got his fancy stats up here. This is before last night's game. Um, from a shots on goal perspective, the only players on the team that have more are Matt Duchesne and Roman Yossi. Matt Duchesne had 54 shots before the game against the Ducks. Roman had 50 on 130 shot attempts. Jesus. And, and Ellie has 40 shots on goal on 61 attempts. 19 of those shots have come from the slot. Seven have come um, from the inner slot six have come off the rush. And like, that's, a, that's, that's something that's interesting to me just because, you know, Ellie Tolvanen does have a great shot off the rush, but has only created six chances off the rush all season before last night. Um, according to, um, according to sport logic, Ellie Tolvanen um, has, has one goal on 3.14 expected goals. Um, so that will, you know, that suggests that he's not getting the bounces. I, I think he's doing a, a lot of good things. Um, I, but, I agree. I, I but think at the he, end of the he day, has good, he has good shifts. Right. But at the end of the day, you know what he's paid to do. Um, you know, I'm looking at, you know, some of the, I'm like, let me look at Luke Cunning. you know, so Luke Cunning's got two goals this season on 2.8 expected goals. So not far off. 
25 shots on goal, 17 from the slot, 10 from the inner slot, um, eight chances off the rush, 14 off the cycle. Um, like, you know, he's been quiet, you know, he, he, to me, he hasn't been as noticeable as Tolvin in, in other areas, which is what you would think the opposite would be. Yeah, that's true. That's um, true. You know, I'm looking at your, your predicted goal, goal, 20 goal score. And yeah, lead, see, lead, that's not lead, going well. Leading the team in goals, I believe. Is, I believe he, what the I, I predicted he would lead the team in goals. That's not going to happen. He, <laughs> he's got he's got Matt, he needs to score Matt Duchesne has Matt Duchesne has twelve. <laughs> he needs to score ten just to catch up to Matt Duchesne. Um, was it? Wasn't he? Was it? And by the way, I don't have this in front of me, but I want to say wasn't that's the second or third fastest to twelve goals. Okay, but... we need to talk about the, some of these statistics because there are some great names. So thank you for reminding me about this. Okay. All right. So so Matthew Shane had the natural hat trick against the Canadians, and you know the NHL media team sent out these really great um, stats. So here are some stats. It was the fourth fastest hat trick in Predators history, behind Rocco Grimaldi, who did it in two and a half minutes last season. Oh, it's awesome. Steve, Steve it was two minutes thirty four seconds to be exact. Steve Sullivan did it in five minutes, 56 seconds in 2006. And Philip Forsberg did it in eight minutes, 37 seconds in February of 2017. Uh, here, here's the most interesting stat. Matt Duchesne scored his second career hat trick just over 10 years since his first three goal performance, which was November 4th, 2011 with the Avalanche. <laughs> Only three players in NHL history have had a longer span between hat tricks. Dit Clapper, his first name is Dit, D-I-T, last name Clapper, Woody Dumart, D-U-M-A-R-T, and Guy Carboneau, who's Wait, 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 wait. So so Guy, Wit, and Dit? Dit, Woody, and Guy. Woody. Dit, Woody, and Guy are all I need all to know more about man. Dit Clapper. I don't know much about Dit Clapper. Dit, Dit Clapper. <laughs> I need Sounds to like something you need a penicillin shot for. Right. You got the, yeah, you got the dip clapper. Okay. So according to Wikipedia, his name is Aubrey Victor Clapper, but he went by dit. No, I, and it's funny. You you just rattled off like a bunch of awesome stats about Matt Duchesne. You did not, the the one I thought I saw was that it was like the second or third fastest predator to 12 goals ever in a season. Oh, um, something like that. that. There was that one too. Like Steve Sullivan, I think maybe had it. It was Philip Forsberg. Um, One second here. So it said that, so he was the, he hit the 10 goal mark in his 17th game. Just one predator skater has reached the mark in fewer games. Philip Forsberg, 11 games in 18, 19 and 16 games in 19 points. There you go. Okay. So, so on, on a Victor Arvidsson, Philip Forsberg, like of like pace right now for Matt Duchesne. So um, we'll see if he keeps it up. I mean, listen, on this pace, there's a chance he, you know, breaks the single season record. So it's something to keep an eye on. Um, those guys have to maintain, but again, I don't know what the key is for the rest of these guys. I think there is some natural progression, I guess, to the mean positive progression. Yeah. Positive, positive regression progression for Cunning, uh, Tomasino, Tolvin and Trennan. I think if they keep throwing pucks on the net, they're not going to shoot two, four, seven, eight percent the rest of the season like that. It, it might not go up a ton, but if it goes up to 10% for all those guys and they just shoot around 10%, that means they're going to start contributing goal, goals, goals. And you can't do much, much like the home ice advantage and the power play. You're going to have to get some secondary scoring for this team to make the playoffs. No, I, I absolutely agree. So, you know, half of the, they've half the battle has been won. The players that are paid a lot of money to lead the charge are doing that. 
now you need the 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 secondary players to to pull their weight, um, starting with Ellie Tolvin. So so to me, and we can kind of wrap up this conversation with a little power play nugget here because they scored a power play goal against Anaheim. They did score two out of three against Montreal. I don't know how much that matters if you're down five nothing. I don't. I mean, I guess it counts towards your stats, but they did score a huge power play goal to take the lead in the second against Anaheim, and they were one for four. So they were three for seven since we last talked. They now have the third best power play in the entire NHL. So you're certainly not allowed to use your Simpsons gif on the Twitters, but it's, it's also the same thing. Like all again, going back to the margin for error for this team, it's so small for this team that they, they have to have the stars producing. They have to have UC Saros play. Well, the secondary scoring has to produce the power play has to be good. It doesn't have to be number three in the NHL, but it needs to be good contributing and, and they have to win games at home. I just sort of lump all these things into the categories of they just have to happen if you're going to make the playoffs. No, I, I, I completely, I completely agree. Um, there, there, you know, look, there, there's a lot to feel good about this team right now, but it's not perfect. Um, and the fact that they're able to win and they've won, you know, they, the fact that they've been able to win uh, despite some of these things, not going according to plan is a good thing. Um, you know, what, another statistic that I thought was interesting um, about Ellie Tolvanen. So Mike, Mike Kelly, who, um, who is one of the main uh, proprietors of SportLogic, tweeted before the game, Anaheim versus Nashville, both with top five power plays. Since Philip Forsberg went down early in the month, Preds power play hasn't missed a beat. Top unit with Tolvanen in for Forsberg has scored at a rate of 6.7 goals per 20. Best of any power play unit in the league, minimum of 10 minutes. So you're you're hoping that um, you're you're hoping that with that in mind, uh, Ellie Coleman will finally <laughs> cash in on the power play. Right. right. And that that John Hines has fixed the problem potentially. Um, by the way, 10, 7, and 1 when we're recording this, of course, that is 21 points in 18 games. That pace would put them at 95.6, so 96 points. That would be uh, way above the expected projection from Vegas and for most fans. So like you said, lots of stuff to be excited about and to enjoy. They're a charming team that plays hard, 200 feet, shift by shift. I love all that stuff. Um, and let's just see if they can keep going. Um, uh, we'll get to the New Jersey New, New, the New Jersey jerseys. New we'll Jersey's to, New Jersey. New New Jersey's New Jersey. We'll get to that in just a second because that's a part of what they've got coming up. They got Vegas on Wednesday, New Jersey on Friday. They do travel to Col- to Colorado on Saturday to take on a, an Avalanche team that I assume is going to turn it around against the Predators. <laughs> hmm. And then Columbus on Tuesday. What what is it you're looking for? Is it just the secondary scoring that you want to see sort of come to life over the course and 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 win a couple of these home games? over the course of the next four, because we do have a lot of hockey to, to watch between now and our next episode. Yeah. I just think when you, I just think when you look at the schedule, you look at the, the opponents, um, I, I do think that there are opportunities here to continue to pick up points. And like, I just think everything we've discussed, um, I think is what I'm looking for. You know, I'm looking for specifically those, depth slash secondary players to, to step up and, and score um, and make an impact. We started seeing it last night with Yakov Trenin, you know, hopefully Ellie Tolvanen's next or, or Luke Cunnan's next or right. somebody, right. Philip Tomasino, Philip Tomasino, by the way, had a, had a breakaway last night. 
um, that are Monday night rather that looked like me, that looked like me when I would play like NHL games on EA, like when I would get a breakaway, it's like, how many deeks can I fit into a short stretch <laughs> for a period of time? And, yeah, I, yeah. and then he, he lost the puck. Um, and I think my, my player would lose the puck too in that situation. <laughs> I just, I just got to chuckle out of it, but you know, he's learning. Um, but yeah, look, they, they play Vegas on Wednesday, New Jersey on Friday, Colorado on Saturday. That's a really interesting situation. You know, they played the, the, they played the devils here at five o'clock on Friday. Then they got to get on a plane and fly to Denver, which is not a short flight. Uh, it's also like a four hour drive from the airport to the hotel. Um, settle, settle down. Um, <laughs> it's, a, it's, a, it's a very weird airport, by the way. A lot of like uh, weird conspiracy theories about that Denver airport. What? Like what? Oh, you don't know anything about this? I don't know any conspiracy. Oh God! Like that, like that that all of our metadata is stored underneath the Denver airport. That there's like the you know like the Freemasons, right? You know yes. like the um, you know the the ones that are in the the Illuminati. Like there's some like weird symbols and you know it's oh the, read about the Denver airport, dude. It's I will do that next time I'm there, and it takes me 45 minutes to get from the airport to downtown. There's a giant blue uh, uh, horse statue out there, I think, too. That, that's got that I know. The horse statue is there a conspiracy theory about the horse? I statue? Th- yes, I think there is. There's conspiracy theory about everything at the Denver airport, and it's not that far. It's like 20 minutes from downtown. It's not that. No, far. it's not. That's crap. 30 minutes. I've I've done it multiple times. My wife and I. Have, I love Denver. I love Denver. I would go to Denver for a game, no problem. Um, okay. Um, New Jersey's New Jersey's. What do you, what do you, <laughs> what do you, I actually really like them. They look a little bit like a, like some prison gear, which I kind of enjoy because it's New Jersey um, for some reason, but I kind of like them. They're clean. They're, 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 they're two tone with a little bit of tiny red highlights, sort of piping and background around the, the word Jersey. I, I like the, the shoulders, you know, I, I think going simple, clean, classic, identifiable is a good branding decision. I, I kind of like them. I, I'm in on the New Jersey, New Jersey's. The uh, New Jersey's, New Jersey's. I like that. Um, yeah, I mean, look, whenever these things happen, well, first of all, it was leaked a few days ago. And whenever a, a jersey is leaked, you know, it, it, it's never it's never positive. Like the reaction it is never positive. Um, so, you know, there've already been way too many jokes, um, about how, oh, they need pants that say pants and socks that say socks <laughs> and skates that say skates. Like, Look, they can't, they, it's not their fault that, that their the name of their state is also the name. I mean, technically they're sweaters, right? They're not jerseys. Well, yeah. If you're, if you're, if you're highfalutin about it, then I mean, I mean, yeah, I Nashville SC plays on a pitch, not a field. Right. You know, um, you know, all I know is that Kevin Smith is going to be buried in that Jersey, you know, cause he basically just <laughs> lives in, in hockey jerseys anyway, but now he's got like the quintessential Jersey for yeah, his Jersey yeah. roots. So I don't think Kevin Smith, once he buys one, he'll never take it off. Yeah. Um, so the next, the next Kevin Smith view askew universe movie or whatever it's called, like next clerks or whatever. Yeah. He'll absolutely be wearing one. Um, I love it. I think they're nice. I think they're cool. Do you like them? Yeah, I mean, I, I, I think, you know, I, you know, this is, by the way, this is the first time the Devils have ever had, like, this kind of alternate. Are we going to see him on Friday or no? No, I don't think no. so. Okay. Um, but, you know, they've had the, the, you know, the black and red with the, you know, with the 
and Jay for, you know, for their, throughout their existence. At one point they had, you know, they wore, you know, they had Christmas tree style jerseys. I know the, I know the hockey guy out there loves like the historic hockey guy loves those green ones. I'm not, I'm not, they're okay. Well, the thing about the thing that's interesting and the Predators did this too, when they made their winter classic jerseys is a lot of times they'll, you know, they'll talk about, Oh, we got to go, you know, we're going to dive into our roots and and look the, the at Dixie, the Dixie Flyers, yeah. right? Like we're gonna, you know, we're gonna honor the past by you know adding some of those things to our jerseys. So that's what the Devils did. I also love jersey press releases because they use these like marketing words that no one would ever use. <laughs> um, so like P- piping, they, so, yeah. So the jerseys, so the jerseys pull from the Newark Bulldogs who played in the Canadian American Hockey League in 1928. That's awesome. And and the Jersey Larks who played in the e, in the Eastern Hockey League in 1960. Like who cares? Great, great. No, those are that's great. I love it. I think the Preds winter classic jersey is the best jersey they've ever had. It is to me their their top uniform ever. And I think that their uh stadium series jersey needs to be navy. Um, they can, they can incorporate the Titans into it if they want and make it a Navy Jersey since Navy is a, is a primary color for the Titans, but there has been a, a, a clamoring among Predators fans for, uh, a Navy Jersey since the, since the Navy alternate was retired, you know, 10, 12 with, years with ago. the old skull, right? The old skull, uh, of the same and, the, and the checkered flag and the checkered flag trim. I, I like that one too, actually. Yeah, no, it's a, it's a very nothing popular is as, jersey. Nothing is as good as the white winter classic jersey. That no, that to is to me that is the that is yes. the that you know what the 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 re- the reverse retro grew on me um, over no, time no, last I don't, season. I don't I don't like it. <laughs> yeah, I could. I mean, it was okay, but no, the, no. the 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 winter classic one still uh, is the. the if I were part. to if I were to go purchase a jersey for myself. A new jersey. Which you won't because you're a grown man. Which I won't. But if I ever was going to do it, it would have no name on the back and it would be the Winter Classic jersey. That would be the one I would buy. I think that's uh, I think that's fair. Okay. And on that note, that ends the show. Uh, Adam Vingan, pay for good... Everybody out there, pay for good journalism to read Adam Vingan and all the other wonderful, amazing NHL writers from all across the country. You get every team and everybody covered for every sport when you pay for a, a subscription from The Athletic. Go to Jasper's as well because the gold standard is brought to you by Jasper's. They have free parking, great specials for Preds fans, and they have some Christmas gift card deals right now. So go check out all that. New menu items, uh, drink specials, and a smash burger. Ten bucks there during Preds home and road games. And you never have to pay for parking ever when you go to Jasper's. So go check that out. Happy Thanksgiving, everybody. We'll have a lot of hockey to talk about on next week's episode. So thank you guys all for hanging out with us. Have a great holiday. Rate, review, subscribe, share the show. For Adam Bingen, my name is Braden Gall. This has been the Gold Standard on the 440 Sports Network.